This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 16th, 2022. Small part, big impact, a change of plans. Good morning, Connection Church. Yeah, here in the sanctuary, they're online. Isn't this just a great day to be part of God's kingdom? Amen. Amen. And uh, today we're in week three of our series, Small Part, Big Impact. So we're going to be focused on a couple of uh, Hebrew gals in Egypt uh, because of their courage, how they changed the course of Israeli history. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here and online. We are honored and blessed by your presence. All right, Phillies. This is a big Philly fan. And we had some red shirts. Kyle Smith said he would come up here and stand next to you. He's yeah, we there. have the, the red, and he's got the white with the red pinstripes. I, I tried to represent. Good job. Yeah, okay. Good job. Proud of you. All right. Let's Seeing go ahead and light. pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word found in Scripture. Thank you for Exodus chapters 1 and 2, for the whole Scripture, but the focus that we have today for small part, big impact, and a change of plans. So we give this time to you. Remove any distractions that we might have so that we can give you, Lord, our attention for just a few moments. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's been a change of plans. Who likes to hear that? That could be yes, and that could be, uh-oh, there's been a change of plans. Maybe that's something in your family, like you're planning to go someplace, and then there's a change of plans, and you have to pivot in a different direction. There's been a change of plans. I'm just thinking of back March in you know, 2020, when this whole church had to do a change of plans and pivot from in-person to online, and then back again, change of plans. Perhaps it's a promotion that you've been working toward and everything looks really good, and then you hear someone say to you, change of plans. Maybe it has something to do with a relationship, and out of the blue, There seems to be a change of plans. Change of plans, again, as I said, can be a positive thing, but sometimes it's not. And so we're always on our guard a little bit when we hear there's been a change of plans. So at the end of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament there, things are looking very good for Joseph. You know, Joseph with the multicolored dream coat, Joseph, who was his father's favorite, Uh, very good, looking very good for him and his extended family. He's the second in command in Egypt, basically their COO, the chief operating officer of the entire country. That's quite a job because at the time, Egypt is like the place in the world, at least that part of the world. And um, life is good. I mean, it's very good, especially since he uh, reconnected with his estranged family. 
Uh, and, and he's moved every single one of them down to a place called Goshen. Say Goshen. You'll never say it again, but that just sounds good. Goshen. And, and that's in, in Egypt. A place, the scripture calls it a place of plenty and comfort. Doesn't that sound good? Plenty and comfort. Uh, the garden spot of Egypt. That's where they're living. Life was good. But then there was a change of plan. Our scripture focus today is found in the book of Exodus, and specifically Exodus chapters 1 and 2. We're going to pick it up at verse 6, Exodus 1. Now Joseph and all of his brothers and all that generation died. So at the end of Genesis, Joseph dies. That generation is over, and now it's time. There's, there's new people, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, mm. came to power in Egypt. Joseph was but a memory. And this new king came into power. He said, look, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly. Now that's like, uh-oh, red flag. We must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. So there's been a change of plans, huh? A severe change of plans. One minute, you're the number two guy in the country. And before you know it, you're dead and gone. Your entire family's enslaved. Things change, shift happens. And it's never going to be what it was. I think we've all been there at one time or another, haven't we? Maybe not to the extent that we're talking about here, but... On the other hand, maybe you have been in a situation which was pretty, pretty, pretty dramatic. You know, the company you're working with, uh, you're planning on retiring eight years. You just got to put that last eight years in. And then they downsize and you're caught in the downsizing. Sorry, I'm going to change your plans. The, the person you shared life with for 25 years decides, well, you're incompatible. Hmm. change your plans. You're the picture of health. Never had a sick day in your life until you get that call from the doctor saying there's something suspicious on that x-ray and can you come in so we can talk about it? Change your plans. Exodus 1, verse 11 through 14. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. I ended my last scripture with that, but we just wanted to set the tone again for what comes next. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. <laughs> so the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. Say ruthlessly. Ruthlessly. 
They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. I, I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. I mean, there are times when we might feel like we're worked to the bone or worked unfairly or, you know, I'm putting in this time and not getting compensated, blah, blah, blah. But can we imagine what is going on in this case? They were worked ruthlessly. And the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. <laughs> and, you know, I just have a check in my spirit right now that there are people generations ago with a skin color different than mine that were worked ruthlessly. It's not that long ago. The Egyptians became more fearful and worked them even harder and more ruthlessly. So what we see here is this vicious cycle. Something had to change. Exodus 1, 15, 16. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. Wow. Talk about ruthless. That's one way to control the population, isn't it? Kill the babies, or at least some of them, the boys. I would have thought it would be girls, because the girls are responsible for bringing in more children. But then you think about it, the boys are the ones who will grow up to be the soldiers, won't they? Who will go into battle to possibly take down Pharaoh and his troops. If it's a boy, kill him. The king of Egypt puts the responsibility for this in the hands of Shipra and Pua. They are two Hebrew midwives. This is the one and only time that we see Shipra and Pua, their names, in Scripture. And the king of Egypt, also known as Pharaoh, he personally has this conversation with these two women. I mean, think about it. The Pharaoh doesn't talk to anybody common. He has other people go to, you know, deliver messages. Even important people don't get the Pharaoh. But this was important enough that he wanted to get the message across himself. And so it is Pharaoh himself giving instructions to these two Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua, instructing them to control the Hebrew population. Hmm. Exodus 1, 17 through 19. The midwives, however, feared God. Think about that. The midwives, however, feared God. That means they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. And then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, I wonder when he summoned them what they're thinking. I wonder if they're thinking he's going to whack us because we're not whacking the boys. The king of Egypt 
some of the midwives answered, why have you done this? Why, why have you let the boys live? Midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're, they're, they're vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. Oh, those women were smart. Apparently, Pharaoh bought it. <laughs> there were some 600,000 men in Egypt in addition to women and children. And so the population was probably, this is a guesstimate, but 2 million people or so. And so even if the Hebrew women were not more vigorous, that's a lot of women giving birth. And so there's no way that these two midwives could keep up with this, the birthing needs of the population. So here we have probably this, this um, low-level Hebrew midwife circuit like telling, okay, do this or don't do this. And it probably went crazy so that these little boys would not be killed. Exodus 1, 20 through 21. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and even became and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Wow. Shifra and Pua must have been a couple of tough girls, don't you think? Yeah. They were in a direct order from Pharaoh. I mean, he's like the king of the, the, of the country in this area. He's very powerful. Given a direct order, and they disobeyed that order, fearing God more than they feared him, the leader of Egypt. You know, it could have ended very differently than it did for them. Pharaoh could have chosen to make them pay for their disobedience, could have had them killed for killing the boys. These two women, Shifra and Pua, were faithful. They stayed faithful. Loyal to God in the midst of great challenge there, and they were rewarded. See, they played a very kind of a small part. We just see them, this place in Scripture, as you said. This is one small. They played a small part, but, but they had great impact, didn't they? They had great impact, uh, and as a result, there was a change of plans. So at the very end of Exodus chapter 1, we hear this. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Oh my goodness. First of all, he's trying to say, well, kill them when they're born, and they, that's... You know, the population kept increasing. And now he's saying, okay, that didn't work, so throw him into the Nile. Pharaoh is relentless. He was determined to get rid of the population of the Hebrew slaves that were boys. And if he wasn't going to get cooperation from the midwives, he would get cooperation from his own people, the men and women who made up the population of Egypt. Hmm. And um, so now we move into chapter 2 of, of, of uh, Exodus. We kind of take a, a slight turn, but we'll get back. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. You know, that's the, uh, the tribe of the, 
of the uh, religious leaders of the community. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Can you imagine? But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch, with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and and put him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. And his sister, the child's sister, the baby's sister, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Well, you all know who this child was, right? Who is it? Moses. Moses. Here we're talking about Moses. And and, and we're not told that Shifra and Pua were there at the birth. We're, We're not told that. But they may have been. We were told they were the midwives. There may have been others, but they may have been there. They were the ones who helped the women with children. That's what they did. It was their job. But even if they weren't there, they were the ones who had defied Pharaoh. They were the ones who had ignored his calls to kill the the male babies. They were the ones who were gutsy enough to say no. No. And here I'm going to just go on speculation. We've got a little bit of a little Alanization here for just for a moment, okay? Go with me here. But I have a feeling that all the women knew who Shifra and Pua were. You know, even in a population like this, word gets out, you know? Did you hear what they did? Did you hear what they did? Circulates through that population, through that, through that, uh, through the place. And, and, and they were the inspiration for many other women to defy Pharaoh. To, for many other women to ignore the edict to kill the male babies. I have a feeling that their small part had a huge impact far beyond themselves. And as a result, there was a definite change of plans. Exodus 2, verses 5 through 7. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, the baby's sister, asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? We have got some really smart women here. Unbeknownst to Pharaoh's daughter... The Hebrew woman the girl got to nurse the baby was the baby's mother. And the baby's mother nursed this child, and actually Pharaoh's daughter paid her (laughs) to nurse her own child. And she did that until the child was weaned. And when Moses' mother took the child to Pharaoh's daughter, he became her son. Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses. Moses means I drew him out of the water. Mm. So, so let's get this straight, how, how this thing operates here. Pharaoh, ruler of Egypt, gives orders 
that the, uh, the Hebrew midwives to kill the babies, the male babies, and let the female babies live. Shifra and Pua ignore the order, claiming the Hebrew women are more vigorous than Egyptian women, and they give birth before the midwives arrive. Then Pharaoh orders his own people, uh, the Egyptian people, to throw every male baby into the river at birth. And so this Hebrew woman gives birth to a son, hides him for three months, places him in a basket covered with pitch and tar, puts him in the river where Pharaoh's own daughter finds him, retrieves him, and takes him home to be her own son. And then this boy, Moses, was raised in the palace of the very one who had called for every male Hebrew baby to be killed and actually is the one who eventually frees these people. Isn't this just an unbelievable story? Only God. Only God could orchestrate this one, right? But here's the thing. God used Shipra and Puah, these Hebrew midwives, to set the tone. We believe for the, this entire thing, this elaborate, unbelievable adventure, it was their loyalty to God that was so inspiring, their defiance to Pharaoh that established a culture that would encourage others to do the same. It was their unwillingness to let those babies be killed that sets the stage so that one of them, Moses, was not only saved, but he was the liberator of the entire Hebrew nation. Mm. Wow. Small part, these two women. Big impact. Huge impact. Definitely a change of plans. Mm. You know, we live in a world... A culture that's very, very different from the world of Pharaoh and the Hebrew slaves. And yet, different as they are, there is some resemblance, some resemblance to the culture that Shifra and Pua found themselves in. You know, for many in this culture, God is foreign to them, just as he was foreign to uh, Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. And as a result, um, things that God values, they don't. For God, each and every one of us is important. That's one of our core values. All people matter to God. All people matter to God. Everyone, every life matters. That wasn't so obviously back with Pharaoh. And that's not so necessarily with the whole culture. But in this culture, we know that for God, everyone matters. And that's why he sent his son, right? That's why he sent his son. To live and to die for every single one of us. If you were the only one on this earth, he would have sent his son for you. Because you're important. And he sent his son that whoever believes in him 
won't have to perish. Wow. But have eternal life. Uh, Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He's the Savior. And then he calls you and me to be a part of this thing. That's pretty wild, isn't it? He's trusting us with, with part of this. He's trusting us to share this good news with others. Share this good news of Jesus with everyone we can. He, he, he's calling us to do our part, to, to bring about change, to use whatever it is that God gives us to make a difference to help about, bring about this change of plans. That's what the, the Shifra and Pua thing was all about. They, uh, they did just what they could with their little piece of the bigger picture. They, they, they followed God, not Pharaoh. They, they bloomed right where they were planted, faithful to God, not willing to compromise, no matter what that would have meant between them and Pharaoh. And so we're asking you today, what, what's God asking you to do? Where, where is he asking you to step up, to step in, to step out? Uh, using whatever it is he's given you. <laughs> you know, you have spiritual gifts. You have uh, resources. You have a place somewhere. You have a place some other place. You have places in the culture. What's he asking you to do? Where's he asking you to do it? Whatever it is that he's given you the resources to make a difference, to, to, to bring about change of plans. You know, where is it that you can take this small part you know, with God, all things are possible. <laughs> Take this small part that you're given and through God, make a big difference. That's the good news. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's pray. Most holy God, uh, wow, <laughs> this is a great story. And Shifra and Pua are incredible women. Gutsy. Strong, determined, faithful. Lord, I, I would ask that we would have <laughs> just a, an, a small part of what they, what they had. Please, Lord, help us to see what it is that, that, that you've given us, where it is that we are to make a difference. Where can we take this uh, small part and, and have a big impact? Not because of us, but because of you. It's not because we can do anything. It's because you can do everything. All things are possible with you if we just take what you've given and do what we can with it. Lord, please help us to see, help us to know what it is we're supposed to do, and, and please give us the courage to do it, to not turn away, but to be faithful always. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we... We pray this in your name. All those gathered said, amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. 
For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. Thank you.